Good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you all for coming out. If you're here in person, thank you for tuning in if you're watching online, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. If it's your first time here or your first time tuning in online, my name is Wade, and uh, we're glad you're here. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll get into tonight's message. Father, thank you for the opportunity to get up here again and uh, preach what you've laid on my heart this week, God. And I just pray that uh, everything that I say is from you, Lord. I pray that none of my opinions or feelings come out. I just pray that your truth be preached tonight. And Lord, I pray for all of us here, all of us watching online, that you would just open our hearts and minds to receive what it is you have to say to us and help us to understand what you're saying to us. Lord, I just pray for those that can't be here because they're sick or whatever reason. I just pray that you'd touch them right where they are, God. And Father, I just pray that you'd help us to just calm down and forget the, the worries of the day, the worries of everyday life, and help us just be present here in the moment, Lord, and, and be focused on what it is you have to say. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to kind of go over what we did last week and add a little bit to that tonight before we get into this week's message. Uh, last week we talked about sharing the gospel mostly and uh, we talked about how that's not just asking somebody to come to church. A lot of times, you know, out of fear of actually asking them, do you know Jesus as Lord, uh, you know, and find out if they're saved or not, we'll just ask them to come to church. But uh, actually sharing the gospel is caring enough about somebody to find out whether or not they know the the truth about Jesus, and that he not only came to forgive our sins, but to give us eternal life and make sure they understand that without him as their Lord, you know, without surrendering their life to him, that we cannot enter heaven. We can't enter the kingdom of God unless we surrender our lives to him as Lord and not just Savior. You know, Josh talked about that on Sunday. Uh, a lot of people just want a Savior, but we have to make him Lord of our life, and uh, actually receive the Holy Spirit and be born again from above. Uh, like it says in John John chapter 3 and verse 3. But uh, unless we are born again and have the Holy Spirit, then we cannot have eternal life. I don't think that TV's on up there, Travis. Uh, I want to share some verses with you before we get into tonight's message. And uh, the reason I want to do that, I believe going over these will explain to you a little bit better not only how to share the gospel, but, but why we need to share the gospel with the lost. And uh, I want, the one I want to start with is kind of in the middle of the ones I want to read you, but the first one I want to start with is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. <clears throat> so it's not our flesh and blood bodies that we're going to, you know, that we're going to live forever. It's the spirit uh, that wakes up inside of us when we come to Christ that's going to live forever. And people need to know that without the Holy Spirit, that uh, they're not going to get eternal life. It's by getting saved and receiving the Holy Spirit 
that's where eternal life comes from. Uh, you know, if they die without Christ, then they're not going to be part of that. I mean, they will still be resurrected, but not to eternal life. They'll be resurrected for the judgment, but without Christ as their Savior, their names won't be written in the book of life that we see in Revelation. Uh, and I want to share those with you. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So, you know, when we're sharing Jesus with somebody, we need to let them know that if their name is not written in that book of life, then they don't have eternal life. It's not, we don't get saved so life will be easier for us here. We get saved because we're preparing for eternity. And, uh, you know, we talked about last week that sharing the gospel is not just inviting somebody to church and not telling them that life will be better here once you get saved because that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is uh, being born again, receiving the Holy Spirit, and getting your name recorded in the book of life. So whether Jesus comes back or we die here on this earth, we have that assurance. We have that, you know, that's comforting to know that my name is written in the book of life. And whether I do die here or Jesus comes back, then I'm good. You know, I've got eternal life with him to look forward to. And uh, another verse I want to share with you in Revelations chapter 20 is verse 15. It says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And uh, I think people need to know that, you know, when we're sharing the gospel with them. A lot of people, like we talked about last week, the only life they think about is the one that we're living now and how it can be better. And, uh, you know, that's not what, what we need to be focused on. <clears throat> like I said, it's not just about coming to church or not. It's about life and death. And uh, are you truly going to be saved or not? And I wanted to share this with you, too. Uh, every week at the end of the message, I share the verses out of Romans that, tells us how we can get saved. In Romans 10 and verse 9, it says, You shall be saved. And we do receive salvation, like it says in Romans 10, 10, when we confess Jesus as Lord. But back to verse 9, what that means is you shall be saved is that if he really is my Lord, I will be saved on the day of judgment because my name is written in the book of life. And on that day, when the judgment does happen, I will be saved. Uh, you know, that's why it don't read that you are saved. You know, we do receive salvation when we confess Christ. When we come to Christ and surrender our life to him, we receive salvation. But that shall be saved is talking about when the day of judgment gets here, we are going to be numbered with the ones that shall be saved because our names are written in the book of life. So it's not about our life here on earth. It's about the life to come. But if I've never surrendered to Christ and been quickened by the Holy Spirit, like we see in Ephesians 2 and verse 1, 
you know, it says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And uh, I've told you a bunch of times that word quickened, all that means is brought to life. Uh, spiritually, you know, when we surrender our lives to Christ, then we are born again. And uh, our spirits that were dead because of our trespasses and sins come to life. And our name is written in the book of life. But if I haven't surrendered to Christ, then I'm still spiritually dead. And uh, now I want to share the rest of those verses with you that verse 50 came out of. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read you uh, verses 45 through 55, and that's what it's talking about. It says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. He's talking about... Adam from Adam and Eve and Jesus Christ. Adam was born, and uh, because of what they did in the garden, from that point on, they were spiritually dead. And that's the way we're born. And that's what he's talking about us. You know, when we're born, we're born spiritually dead until we surrender our lives to Christ. And then our spirits come to life. And then it goes on, it says... Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. So we're born in our natural bodies, and afterward, once we surrender to Christ, that which is spiritual is born. And we'll keep on reading. It says, The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they, such also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. <clears throat> and as, have, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And that's talking about our bodies here. And, uh, you know, our bodies are corruptible. You know, we're born, and from the time we're born, we start to decay, you know, and... Uh, we wind up, we die a natural death. So when we are born again, when this body dies, we go into our spiritual bodies. So we go from a corruptible body, and God gives us an incorruptible body. And uh, while we're here before Christ, we're mortal. You know, the Bible says it appointed to man wants to die. But once we come to Christ and surrender to him and our spirits come to life, then in him we are immortal. We Our bodies are still going to die, but we don't have to fear death. We pass from death into life when we leave this world. So we don't have to fear death anymore. And verse 54, it says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, when we receive our spiritual bodies, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, when we surrender to Christ and our spirits are brought to life, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? So sharing the gospel really is about life and death, you know, being prepared for eternal life and becoming that new creation that we read about all the time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that's what it's talking about. We have a spiritual body to look forward to when this one passes away. And we don't have to fear death anymore because we are immortal in Christ. We'll leave this world, but we don't die. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all remember we did a, a sermon a while back about dying and perishing. This body will die, but we won't perish because we have Christ. Uh, we won't be dead. We will still be alive. And all things are become new. And being spiritually alive when the judgment comes, so we'll be saved. Like we just talked about, because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And uh, I hope those verses give you a better understanding of the gospel and what it means to be saved. You know, it's not just to have a better life here. It's to ensure that we're going to have eternal life after this one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when Chris gave his sermon with the rope illustration, he had the little piece of red tape on it. He also uh, got some tracts for us to hand out here at the church, and I've got one of them with me. Uh, this is one of them. If you don't have one, or if you'd like some of them, you can see me after church, and I'll, I'll get you some. And they're pretty good. They explain what it means to be saved, you know, why we need to be saved, and what Jesus has done for us, and how you can be saved by putting your faith in Christ. And, uh, you know, that's a really good tool to have, especially if you have a hard time sharing your faith or you just aren't sure how to go about witnessing to somebody. You know, it's got scripture references in it. You know, it's self-explanatory. You don't have to memorize all the scriptures and stuff like that. You can go through this with somebody or just hand it to them and tell them Jesus loves them. Like I said, if you want some of these, just come and see me after service. Or come by the church if you're watching online and you want some. But uh, that gets me to tonight's message. I've got some of these, or had some of these, in my van. And I keep some with me, you know, in hope that I'll share the gospel with somebody and lead them to Jesus. Uh, so now we're getting into tonight's message. How many of you have heard that old saying, you know, it's the thought that counts? You know, we've all heard that, but that old saying is wrong. You know, if that if it was the thought that counts, then, you know, birthdays and Christmas and anniversaries would be just super easy. You know, I could tell Dale at Christmas, uh, I thought about building you a nice garage and fully stocking it with tools and all that stuff, or, you know, I could... Tell Jonathan I'm going to pay all your bills and pay your house off and send your kids to college or tell mom I thought about digging you a new well or tell Travis I, I thought about getting you a Maserati for your birthday, you know, but did, did me thinking about any of that stuff help them? It don't help them a bit. Uh, you know, it's not the thought that counts. It's what we actually do. <coughs> that counts you know I told him last night and celebrate 
restoration. Uh, you know, when my daughter was growing up and I wasn't there for her, you know, I thought about her every day. I really did. And uh, I loved my daughter. But that didn't help her a bit. And it didn't help me either. It actually tormented me because I knew that I wanted to be with her and I couldn't and I did love her and I thought about her but that thought didn't help her at all in uh, James chapter 4 and verse 17 it says therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin like I said I knew I needed to do those things I knew she needed me and I really wanted to be there with her but I wasn't so just me knowing that and thinking about it didn't help her. And uh, like I said, that tormented me. Thinking about what you should do and then not doing it, that'll eat you up on the inside. So we have to put our action to our thoughts. Or they not only don't help anybody, they'll, they'll really destroy us and do damage on the inside of us. James talks about that in chapter 2 as well, in verses 14 through 17. It says, What does it profit, my brothers? Though a man say he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you saying to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does that profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Like I said, I had a, I had a bunch of these things in my van. I had a whole stack of them in there, and uh, I forget what day it was. I think it was yesterday. I was at Home Depot in Morristown, and uh, I had to get a, a whole bunch of stuff. We got a big project going on here at the church, and I couldn't get it all in one load, so I had to go in there four different times to get everything and bring it out put it in the van and on the very last load I was trying to get the rest of it crammed in my van and I was about to shut the door and somebody pokes me on the shoulder and I turned around and there was a lady standing there and uh, she said I just want to give you this and tell you Jesus loves you and she gave me one of her traps from her church and man that that really convicted me because there I was. I had a whole stack of them in the front of my van. I've been in the store four times and hadn't given nobody one of them. But here she was poking me on the shoulder, giving me one of hers. You know, the difference in the one that she had and the ones that I had is she didn't just throw them in her car and think about them. She actually picked them up and got them out of her car and went to work for the Lord handing them out. And, uh, you know, she was a, a little woman. She was short, shorter than I am. But she was weaving in and out of all those big construction guys and little old me and handing every one of them a track and telling them Jesus loves you. And, uh, you know, when she poked me on the shoulder, that might as well have been God himself tapping me on the shoulder and telling me those things aren't doing a bit of good just sitting up there you know, between your seats, you actually have to approach people and talk to them and give them to them before they're going to do any good. And uh, 
that, like I said, that really convicted me. I had to go to Sam's today, and, uh, you know, that bothered me all night last night after she gave me that. So I made it a point today before I did any shopping at Sam's, I gave every one of those things out. And it's not hard. You know, once you get the first one out, the second one's easier, and then the third one is a little easier. I know we all have to get out of our comfort zone to do those kinds of things, but once you get started doing it, then instead of being ashamed because I didn't do any of it last night, today I would, you know, actually felt fulfilled after doing it because I knew I did what the Lord wanted me to do. So it, it really is not the thought that counts. It's what you do because of that thought. Uh, you know, we got a lady here at the church. She came home one day, and her driveway was just gone. And I don't mean it got washed away by all the rain we've been having or something like that. Somebody bought the property next to hers and literally took a bulldozer and pushed her driveway away and dug a big giant hole where her driveway used to be. So she got home and had no way to get to her house and no idea what she was going to do. And then a couple of days later, she had a car wreck because that was because of the rain. And now she don't have a driveway. She don't have a car. She's got all kinds of doctor's appointments and stuff <coughs> to go to with no way to get there. Uh, she got no way to get groceries or come to church or anything. But, you know, thank God we've got people that don't just think about stuff like that. Uh, we've got people that actually get up and care about other people's feelings, and they, they did what James said to do, and they put their faith into action. You know, they step up, and they help her go to those doctor's appointments, make sure she's got food, uh, check on her, and make sure, you know, she's got everything she needs. And we really are the answer to somebody's prayers. But we have to act and not just think about those things. You know, I don't think we have thoughts like that by accident. I think God lays people on their hearts because we are the answer to their prayers. And when we just think about it instead of acting on it, then somebody is doing without because we're not being obedient to the Lord. Uh, you know, I love the book of Acts in the Bible, uh, talking about action. It talks about all the miraculous things the apostles did and, you know, the birth of the church and the growth of the church. And, you know, I'm glad it's not the book of thoughts, you know. If it was the book of thoughts, then nothing would have happened. They'd still be sitting around just thinking about stuff. Uh, you know, while I was driving home last night, I kept thinking about this one verse. I think Josh talked about it a little bit on Sunday in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 13, it's talking about Hagar. Uh, if you don't know who Hagar is, Abraham and Sarah were the, the very first Jewish people. You know, God called them out of Ur of the Chaldees and said, go to a place and I'll show it to you. And he promised Abraham he was going to make him a, a father of many nations and that his seed was going to be <clears throat> more than the sands of the sea or the stars in the sky. And he promised him all those things. But when Abraham was like 85 years old, they still hadn't had a child yet. And uh, so the, him and his wife got tired of waiting on the Lord, so they took things in their own hands. And 
Sarah told Abraham to go into my handmaid and uh, have a child by her. So he did. And uh, if you read on and on, about <clears throat> 15 years later, Sarah did get pregnant, and she gave Abraham a son. And uh, then she was jealous of Hagar, her handmaid, who had had Ishmael. So Abraham said, do to her what you want to. So she kicked her out of their camp. And this is uh, Hagar, when she kicked her out of the camp, went over and sat next to a well. And uh, she just thought she was all alone, thought God didn't see her anymore. And her baby was going to die. And uh, that she was just all alone. And this verse, I love it, it, says she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, the God who sees me. Or she said, have I also here looked after him that sees me? And I think a lot of us are like that. You know, when life gets hard, uh, we just think God don't see us. And we think nobody else sees us either. We feel like we're invisible. And, uh, you know, when we just have thoughts and not actions, we can't help anybody out of a, a place like that. And, uh, Sometimes those ain't just feelings. Sometimes it's real, like the lady I was just talking about. Her life really was falling apart. So we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to go into action and not just think about things and bring them hope. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. That's, talk that's Jesus talking about us. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, that verse don't say, let them see your good thoughts. It says, let them see your good works. We can tell people about the love of Jesus all day long, but until we show them the love of Jesus, then they'll never believe it and they will never experience it. We have to put it into action and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, you know, I think about our food pantry a lot. You know, if it really was the thought that counts, we wouldn't need all that space out there and we wouldn't need all the food out there. All we would need is somebody sitting over there at a desk telling people when they come in, we'll be praying for you. And we'll be thinking about you like we just read in James, you know. Be warm and filled and send them away empty-handed. And uh, that don't do them a bit of good. Uh, just like Hagar in Genesis that we read about, people need hope when they're in a situation like that. They need to know they're not invisible. And they need to know that God sees them. And we can be the proof that he sees them. And uh, not just sees them, but he cares about them. And once they experience that, they come alive because hope is a powerful thing, you know. If we don't have hope, then we give up on everything. Uh, we're not even going to try to do anything. But as long as we have hope, we can do amazing things. You know, we'll try things that we're not even sure we're capable of because we have hope. But without hope, we'll just give up. Uh, Gideon is another example of that. Uh, when you first see Gideon in the Bible, he's actually hiding from his enemies. Uh, the Bible says 
the children of Israel sinned against God, so he turned them over to the Midianites. And we'll, I'll read that to you in Judges chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So because of the Midianites, the children of Israel were afraid. You know, they didn't, they didn't believe God saw them anymore. They couldn't even raise their crops. The Midianites, when they would try to raise a crop or plant a crop, they would come in and destroy them. Uh, I'll read you that too. I like reading you this stuff. I don't want you to just take my word for it. And verse 3, it says, And so it was when Israel had sown, talking about their crops, that the Midianites would come up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. That's talking about their crops. Till you come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass, so they would just, if they'd plant a crop, they would burn them or just trample them to the ground. If they had animals, they would kill their animals. They wouldn't let them have anything. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for the multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And I believe all of us go through seasons like that and Life just overwhelms us. Circumstances can get so bad, so big, so fast that we just don't know what to do. Uh, you know, you have a bad day like that or a bad season like that sometimes. And it seems like no matter what you do, the enemy comes in like the Midianites there and just destroys all your hard work. And then you're like, what am I going to do? You, you literally feel like, you don't have anywhere to turn, and God don't see you, and nobody's there to help you. And like I said, we're like Hagar. We just feel all alone, and not even God can see us in our trouble. And that's where we find Gideon in uh, Judges 6 and verse 11. He's actually trying to get something to eat. It says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash, that Abiz, right? And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So he's hiding behind the winepress just to try to get something to eat without his enemies taking it from him. And uh, like I keep saying, we all go through seasons like that. You know, maybe your enemy is a, a bunch of medical bills that keep coming in. It's taking food off of your table. You know, it don't have to be an army marching against us. It can be everyday things like that that just seem overwhelming because we don't have any way to deal with it. We all go through seasons like that. You know, maybe your vehicle tore up and you can't afford to fix it. Can't get your kids to school. Can't go to work. It can be any number of stuff. We all have enemies of some sort. But just like God saw Hagar, he sees Gideon too. Uh, we, in the same verse we just read, verse 11, it says the angel of the Lord was sitting right there under the oak tree watching Gideon while he was hiding. Uh, you know, trying to thrust that wheat and get something to eat. The angel of the Lord was sitting there watching him do that. And God sees you too, you know, when things seem helpless.
They're not hid from God. He sees what you're going through. And there's nothing you'll ever go through that God don't see. Uh, I've shared with you before, one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 15, and verse 3. It says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I get a lot of comfort out of that, you know, when somebody's doing me wrong or things are not going good. It's comforting to me to know that God sees this, you know, and that if I know that he sees it, I know he's going to do something about it. And if you don't know the story of Gideon, you know, the angel of the Lord started calling him a mighty man of valor in uh, verse 12 of Judges chapter 6. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So he reminded him, you know, God has not forgotten you. God sees you, and he is with you. And he called him a mighty man of valor. And when he started believing what the angel of the Lord said, he began to have faith in God again. And he began to have hope, like we just talked about. It's the hope that makes such a big difference. But, uh, you know, he had been that way so long. I don't know how long he had been like that. It says God gave him over to him for seven years, but I guess this was the seventh year. So he had to learn how to trust God again because things have been bad a long time. And I think that's the same with us. You know, we go through a season. Sometimes seasons can be long. And we get to get to the point we start doubting our faith. We start losing our trust in the Lord. But if you keep reading in, in the, the book of Judges in chapter 7 through 8, he does become a mighty man of valor. And he saves the children of Israel from the Midianites. But the reason the angel was there in the first place was Judges chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. They called out to God because of the suffering that they were in, because of the, what the Midianites were doing to them. <clears throat> so they cried out to the Lord. And I said earlier, you know, we are the answer to somebody's prayer. People all over, the, all over the world are calling out to the Lord for help. You know, our thoughts that come from God, like I said, are not a coincidence. If you're born again, that's the Holy Spirit inside you saying, we need to do something about that. You know, he didn't lay it on your heart for you to think about. Just like he told Abraham, you know, I'm going to bless you so that all the world through you might be blessed. He didn't bless Abraham just so he could be blessed. He blessed him so he could bless the whole entire world through him. So if you're born again and you get those thoughts inside of your head, that's God drawing you to that, to be the light that we just talked about, and uh, to give somebody hope and help them with their problems. And just like Gideon, you know, he didn't have any faith in himself. He didn't see himself as a mighty man of valor. Uh, we don't have to depend on our own strength to do it. The Holy Spirit will help us help other people. Uh, God's not going to call you to do something and then not help you to do it. All we have to do is be obedient and turn our thoughts into actions, and then God will show us how to do it and what to do. Uh, so it really isn't the thought that counts. It's doing what the Holy, Holy Spirit says to do with that thought and being obedient to him. That's what counts. Uh, so maybe right now you're the one that, that feels invisible. 
and nobody sees you or nobody <coughs> cares about you. Uh, if it is, cry out to God just like the children of Israel did. Uh, tell somebody about it, you know. Tell somebody that you're struggling and uh, get some help. You know, the church is full of people that are that are obedient to the Lord and are willing to help you. You know, you don't have to go through your struggles all alone. I tell you all the time, that's what the church family is for. That's why it's the body of Christ. The Bible says if one member of the body hurts, then the whole body hurts. A lot of times we go through things because we won't ask for help. And uh, to me, that's one of the worst forms of pride there is, is needing help and not accepting help or asking for help and then getting bitter because nobody's helping you. You know, if nobody knows about it, then they, they can't help you. So take the help that is offered, you know. But like I said, the church is full of people that will help you. Take the help, and uh, when you get back on your feet, then you can turn around and help somebody else. I love Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. That's what it's talking about. It says, Blessed be God, even <clears throat> the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So when God and God's people help us through a situation, when we get through it and we're back on our feet and we're able, we should be able to turn around when somebody else is going through a similar situation and be there for them. You know, be the light and the salt that we need to be to help them through what they're going through. Or, if you're not the one that's needing help right now, maybe you're like me with that stack of tracks and uh, you got a whole pile of good thoughts that you just haven't put into action. You know, those tracks can do a bit of good sitting in my van. You know, they're useless. Uh, so are our good thoughts. We've got to trust God and get, a lot, get out of our comfort zone like we were saying, and be the light and the hope that somebody needs to see the love and the goodness of God. That's what he's called us to do. You know, Paul calls us, once we've been saved uh, and surrendered our lives to Christ, we're ambassadors. You know, we're no longer just people that go to church. He says God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It's our duty as Christians to serve God to tell people about God and to be there to help people for God. So, uh, you know, I always try to give you homework at the end of the message. So this week, I think we should just get into the habit of practicing that. You know, go to, go to the people that God is laying on your heart and don't just think about them and pray about them. You know, we are supposed to pray about them, but if God's laid them on your heart, reach out to them. I can't tell you how many times he's laid somebody on my heart and I call him and say, hey, I'm just calling to check on you. Uh, I can't believe you called. I'm going through this, 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 and this. And uh, it's not a coincidence. God lays them on your heart for a reason because he wants you to, to step up and do something. So if God lays them on your heart, call him. Tell him God sees you and ask him, what can I do to help you? And uh, if you don't have anybody on your heart, Ask God to show you somebody. He will. And uh, 
that's our homework for this week. Get out of our comfort zones and uh, actually do what the Holy Spirit's asking us to do. It is uncomfortable, you know, to witness sometimes. But the more you do it, the less uncomfortable it is. Uh, you know, Travis was talking about getting out of his comfort zone. He was the one teaching last night at Celebrate Restoration. But he said, every time I get up here, it gets a little easier. And uh, it does. You know, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. And it won't seem so scary and foreign to you. And uh, you'll build up your confidence in sharing your faith. But that's my message for tonight. But like I always do, I, I would like to give you an opportunity if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ to do that. So we'll go back to the verses we were talking about a while ago in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, If you shall confess in your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That seems like a lot of words, and uh, some people get a little confused by them. You know, it don't matter where you are. You don't have to be in church to get saved. All you have to know is, I need a Savior. You know, you know whether or not you're right with God. And if you're not, and you would like God to come and save you, just say something simple, like, God, I need you. I need a Savior, and I know it. And ask Him to come into your heart, and He will. And uh, if you've done that, it says to tell somebody about it. Tell somebody, I've gave my life to Christ. And uh, with that confession, it says you'll receive salvation. And then when that day does come, whether you are standing before Christ when He comes back, or you die in the resurrected at the judgment you'll have that assurance that my name is written in the book of life and you've got eternal life to look forward to and i always like to tell you you know i heard all my life you need to straighten up and go to church that's not how it works uh, nowhere in the bible will you find that god says come as you are and whosoever in verse 13 he says shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and uh there's nothing you've done that's too bad that you won't be forgiven for or won't be accepted. Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't, there's nothing we did to earn it. He saved us because he loves us and because we are all sinners. The Bible said we've all fallen short and we all come short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came. So don't ever think you're too far gone. Nobody's too far gone. All you got to do is cry out to Jesus, and he'll meet you right where you are. Uh, but that's my message tonight. And uh, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, I hope you do that tonight. If you have, you need to tell somebody about it. And if you need some, some help learning how to walk in a new life, come to church. There's people here that'd be glad to, to talk to you and, and help you on that journey. But that's all I've got for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in if you're watching online. And thank you guys for being here in person. Let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for helping me to get up here and preach again tonight. Lord, I just pray for the everybody that hears this message, Lord, that you would help them to let it sink in. And uh, I pray that you'd give us the courage, Lord, to share the gospel with people. 
and uh, let them know about eternal life and also let them know uh, what's going to happen if they don't surrender to you. I think if we love people, if we truly care about them, then uh, we'll share the truth with them, that there's life to be had. You don't have to you don't have to go to hell. And I pray that you'd give us the boldness, Lord, to be the witnesses that we're supposed to be. And I pray that you'd give us the, the courage also, Lord, to be the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet that we're supposed to be when people are in need, and to let our light shine and go help those people. But Lord, we just thank you for being so good to us. I pray that you'd be with each of us as we go home tonight. Keep us safe. And... Uh, just thank you again for tonight's message, Lord, and thank you for loving all of us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.